Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Show Nicholas Asker, director of swimming and diving and tennis here at Howard, our favorite school, the Boss Man Show at Howard Bison. Coach Askew, what is up, my man? How things are there in DC, my brother? Boss Man, what's good, man? Thanks so much for having me, bro. Um, everything is cool up here. You know, we, we're uh, we're doing the best we can under the circumstances. It's a it's a crazy time in our world and at the university and in sport. But um, you know, we weren't we weren't built to break, baby. We're gonna we're gonna get through this. Coach, tell us, how has COVID been managing two different sporting doctrines, first and foremost, you know, and keeping everybody in line and safe? Because, you know, the, the pool is somewhere you can count of distance, and I don't know how the virus works, works in the water. Tennis court, definitely distance for sure. So I make sure the balls are not, you know, with stuff on the balls. So how has it been trying to manage manage, manage your squads, keeping everybody in shape, knowing they got to do, do different stuff to stay in shape for each doctrine or sport that they have? Yeah, man, it, it, it hasn't been easy, <laughs> let me tell you. Um, trying to, to manage it with one sport is, is difficult, and then you just multiply that because, you know, having both programs. But um, the God honest truth is we've got incredible student athletes. You know, they're, they're, they're really determined to get through this, and that's something that, you know, is, is absolutely helping the situation. Um, number two is we've got an amazing uh, support staff and coaching staff that is constantly trying to stay in contact, um, constantly trying to send information so that the athletes, no matter where they are, you know, for our swimmers and divers, you know, we've got people who haven't even been able to touch water since March. And, you know, swimming's a sport where you can't take a couple of day, couple months off and, and come back, you know, and, 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 and expect big things. You know, uh, you, you really have to be touching water and, and um, on a regular basis. Um, so, what we've been able to do with them is continuing with our strength and conditioning staff to send them workouts to help help them do something, you know, stay in some type of shape. Uh, on the tennis side, it's the same thing. We've got people who haven't really been able to get on the courts um, for, since March and April. Uh, so we've been sending them workouts and sending, you know, sending everyone things that are going to help them when we are able to get back safely. Yeah, coach, and that's coach. honestly, it, it cut out a little bit. I'm sorry. Are you, you good, know, the, man? The big thing for us is, is making sure that in some way we come back better, you know, and that's what the support staff is really working on. Um, and we're trying to make sure that our team is, is safe physically uh, and mentally, you know, because this is, again, this is really tough times that we're dealing with things that there is no playbook that we can yeah. go by, you know. You know, you can't just go and. And, and look and say, okay, this is how we manage this. We're, we're really trying to do the best we can in, in uh, managing it, uh, you know, day to day. Now, Coach, you are a dual sport athlete yourself. You was a swimmer, diver, and a tennis player. So tell me, Coach, how how was that as a kid trying to – you know, me, I played basketball, football, tennis. <laughs> but, you know, you're swimming in tennis. So how was that as a kid trying to manage those two different sports right there as, as a kid? Yeah, um, let me tell you, my parents, they were smart. Uh, I'm the third of three boys. Had a, uh, I have two older brothers, Joe and Mark, and uh, we, were, we, were, we had a lot of energy. And my parents recognized that. So they said, okay, look, let me tell you, we're going to put these boys in every activity we can find. And, you know, we're very blessed to have grown up, you know, just two blocks away from a recreational center that had a track, tennis courts, um, Olympic-sized pool, playground. So, 
literally that's where I spent most of my days. And, you know, whether it was organized, you know, playing ball or sports or it was unorganized pickup games, et cetera, that's what we did all day, every day. And um, my two sports really streamlined into swimming and tennis because those were the two that I had the most exposure to, um, had the most development for. Uh, and there's one, one, you know, my parents, they knew that swimming had to be one of the sports we had to be in because there's one thing for sure. Uh, after you swim, you're tired. <laughs> yes. So there was no time or space for foolishness. You know, once we got home, you know, both my parents were super hard workers. My mom was a nurse. So when she got home, you know, she, she, she had given a lot at work. So we, we needed to make sure that, uh, or they needed to make sure that, you know, between the three boys, uh, the house wasn't too torn down and, and that, you know, we didn't, we didn't cause too much ruckus uh, once she did get home. But uh, it, it was cool, you know, going through high school and, and really kind of getting into just those two sports and dedicating most of my time to, to those, um, you know, it was a lot. And I, I really attribute just some fantastic mentors and people who supported me um, growing up to be able to have the chance to go to Howard. Um, and, and to be able to swim for a Division One HBCU and to be able to play Division One tennis. Um, it, it was just amazing, and, uh, but it, it was time-consuming, let me tell you. Now, Coach, you, like you said, Coach, you actually coach at your alma mater. How cool is yeah. that, man, actually be, uh, being a bison and lead the program that you played for, man. That's a one-of-a-lifetime kind of thing, man, because a lot of guys are going to have an opportunity to actually lead the program that they played for. And and now you're in that position, and you get you represent the bison for anybody who wants to come. You were a bison. They can't say about Howard because <laughs> you were the Howard bison. You know what it's all about. So how does that feel, man, representing your school like that, man, and leading them now? Yeah, I, I'm so proud um, and I'm so grateful for the opportunity, you know, that President Frederick and the athletic director and the athletic department gave me the opportunity, you know, to be in this position to lead the next generation of college athletes, you know, at Howard. Uh, when I was here, um, you know, I, I didn't take it for granted whatsoever. I knew where we were. And, you know, of course, being uh, college age, I had my mind of how I would do things and how they would be differently, but never in my farthest mind did I ever think that I would be at, at some point in time uh, in the position to be the head coach and the director for both programs. Um, and it really came kind of funny. Uh, uh, you know, I talked about the program after graduation, et cetera, et cetera. And essentially they were like, okay, well, you know, we'll give you a chance to get, go in there and, and make the most out of it. And I was like, oh, okay. And uh, once I got the opportunity, you know, put together an amazing coaching staff and, I've had fantastic support from, you know, athletic director, Carrie Davis, our senior women's administrator, Amy Olson, you know, um, the, the, the office of student affairs. And it's been, a, it, it's been great. And um, that's, that's something that I talk to my recruits as well as our current athletes about my experience and how that I'm, I get the chance to be an empathetic coach because I literally swam in the same pool, right? I literally uh, played on the same courts. I, I, I studied in the same, um, uh, buildings on campus. I walk the walk, I talk the talk. So I also warn them. I'm like, so, you know, don't come with me, you know, no, no craziness because, you know, I, I, I've been there. I've done that. I understand. Yes. You're going to tell me something, you better make it real good because I'm going to see right through it. That's how me and Coach Perrier feel about Tennessee State. We work with the Tennessee TSU. <laughs> so we feel like, we, hey, you can't tell us nothing about John Mary Boulevard that we don't already know. <laughs> you better come <laughs> correct. Don't come at all. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yo, yeah. You can't tell me nothing about no John Mary, baby. You can't tell me nothing about that. I know about how that was with through. Mm -hmm. I know. I know the good, bad, ugly, and all the skeletons too. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Exactly. So when you walk through the door, you better have your story straight because I'm gonna see. You know, we're gonna we're gonna see right through it immediately. Like, okay, man, for real. All right, now tell me what really happened. <laughs> you no doubt. Now, yeah. I know you recruit down my way in Atlanta a lot, so what about the city of Atlanta uh, attracts you to find talent for swimming and diving into this because of, you know, it's a diverse city, Atlanta, a lot of tennis players here in Atlanta for sure. I know that a lot of swimming, yeah. swimming pools here as well, a lot of things going on here. So what about the city of Atlanta uh, makes Howard a good fit for, for tennis players and divers and swimmers here? Yeah, I mean, for both sports, honestly, uh, the Atlanta metro area is a hotbed for talent. Um, you know, for both of my programs, I'm very adamant about making sure that our teams are a reflection of our campus community. 
So what that means to us is that the, the athletes have to, you know, most likely will be predominantly from the African diaspora. So any of the 67 countries from the continent of Africa, from the Caribbean, and obviously here within the United States. Um, so being able to find black and brown people at, uh, in the metro, in the Atlanta metro area is definitely one of the hotbeds. Um, and, and I think that has a lot to do with the amazing coaching that goes on both on the tennis courts as well as at, in the, um, at the swimming pools. Um, and it being having so, so much space, you know, to be able to have so many different programs where there are more uh, of the recruitable athletes that we're, look, we're most aggressively looking for. Um, and, and, you know, a lot of those, a lot of those coaches for, for all, for both tennis and swimming came from HBCUs, you know, and have, a, uh, an, an association with HBCU. So, um, the Atlanta area knows the Howard brand very well. Um, so they're very, uh, keen to send their athletes to Howard to gain an amazing education, as well as to continue to go through their athletic endeavors. And, you know, for, for me, obviously, that's obviously swimming and diving and then tennis. Um, so we're excited about it and we're excited about continuing to keep that pipeline super strong, you know, and, and seeing how many more of the athletes from the Atlanta area can come. I, you know, I, I don't know where, I don't know if there's, uh, there's some additional secret sauce down there in the ATL that that's leading to, you know, such phenomenal athletes, but, you know, we've definitely been the benefactor of seeing so many come down there. And, you know, we've had graduates from Howard, obviously, that, again, continue to really make the brand super strong. You know, the former mayor, Kasim Reed, former mayor, Andrew Young, uh, who, by the way, Andrew Young swam for Howard University when he was here in undergrad. Uh, and I, you know, I tell the, 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 the athletes from uh, that we're recruiting for swimming and diving that all the time. And when he comes to Howard, uh, we, we make sure that we get a chance to take the team to see him as well. Yes, most definitely. That's why I was, t I was telling all the coaches who come on the show from Howard, hey, I feel like D.C. is like Atlanta up east because the city is kind of mm -hmm. the same for the same kind of makeup, same kind of population, same kind of different things to do, e eateries, things. So it's a good place to go and kind of have a home feel but not being at home. Because it's the same thing right. at home up in D.C. as well. And also, but you might yeah, also yeah. you will meet people who can help you down the road, get a good job behind your name. People, people in the U.S. Senate, Congress, people in D.C. who have a lot of power. You can get an internship. You can get the Howard degree behind your name. You're set for the next 40 years of your life. So I spend all the time, hey, move to D.C. is not a bad thing. It'll remind you of home, but not being at home. That's right. That's right. That's so right. I mean, there's so many similarities between the two cities. You know, I think, again, you know, as uh, D.C. being the nation's capital is such a melting pot, you know, it has so much diverse culture and experiences that are here within the city. And it's very similar to Atlanta. I love spending time, you know, down there, down in Atlanta and being able to see, you know, the, the amazing growth and going, you know, to the previous Olympic Village and, and everything. And there's so many things that are different, but yet they give you that same vibe. What is your favorite thing about Atlanta, Coach? I ask you when you come here, what you, the eateries. What, what, what do you love to do the most when you're, you're here in the ATL, man? Let me tell you, I, I'm a foodie. So uh, <laughs> I love, I, I, <laughs> I'm originally from North Carolina. So I, I, I love soul food. Um, when I first went to my favorite place, and they've gone even more commercial now than they used to be. But when, I, when Zaxby's first opened up, you know, that was one of the places that I literally, uh, my very one of my very best friends from Howard, uh, he and his family live in, uh, in Atlanta area. And uh, when I was traveling and coaching and I knew I had a layover in Atlanta, I'd make the layover so long that my boy would be able to bring me Zaxby's to the airport. <laughs> and we would, we would literally have the Zaxby's in the airport and then we would go. And I know, you know, that's, that's that's not a uh, that's much more of a commercial space now. But when they first opened, man, it, it just I was like, oh my gosh, this is so good to me. I feel you, coach. I feel you, man. Let's get man. You know, a lot of black people don't swim very well, so me included. So for a guy <laughs> like me in my thirties, others listen to the show. Mm -hmm. How can we get involved in water? Because a lot of things that sometimes us we don't really get in the water. Like when I go to the beach. I might put my feet in the water, but I don't go. I, I ain't trying to get swept up. Like, I know if I go in too far, I'm, I'm done. So, so, yeah, so, yeah, so yeah, how do yeah. we, as a, and we in the mid-30s, 40s, 50s, and, and try to get lessons and find places that will get help us get over our fear of the water? 
You know, I'm so glad you asked, brother, because that's one of the things that I'm very passionate about, being the only HBCU that has a Division One program. It's one of our missions to help more people of color get into the water and learn, and learn how to swim for, for the biggest reason is that it's a life skill. It's a skill that can truly save your life. And there is no age that you can't start begin to learn how to swim. Um, you know, it, it's, it's one of those things for, for you. I would encourage you and, and your peers learn to swim to break the cycle. Because if you have a fear of it and you have kids or your peers have kids, you're more likely going to instill that fear into them. And, and if you're able to get in there and get in the water and learn how to swim, then your children and your peers' children are going to be more likely to want to learn how to swim. Um, and, and again, in our community, uh, you know, the, the number one and number two um, uh, killer, basically, in our black community is hypertension, diabetes, heart disease, hypertension, diabetes, so the top three, right? Being in the water and having that and swimming is one of the greatest kind of uh, ways to push that away, you know, to, to make that less likely to happen within our community. So there are extreme health benefits that our, our community in particular can really benefit from. And when you start to think about those three things, the health benefits, breaking that cycle, getting over the, the fear uh, because it will, will save your life then I think you, you'd be even more encouraged to do so. You know, the, about eight years ago, the statistics was 70% of, of African-Americans had limited or no swimming ability, right? In the, in, the la, in the last five years, we've been able to bring that down to 65%. So we're making a difference. But again, that's, that's, far, too, that's far too many that we truly can make a difference, you know, and bring that down to continue to bring that percentage down so that we can save lives both from being in the water as well as, you know, from those other um, uh, conditions that I spoke of. Yeah, Coach, on the tennis side, you know, I went to tennis camp as a kid. You know, the USTA gives, gives people grants, but sometimes, like, you know, <laughs> it gets to the point where it's too expensive almost, you know, trying to keep different rackets, yeah. you know, those travel tournaments. You know, for me, I stopped at 10 years old. I still play, but how, how can we get – more kids involved in tennis because tennis is what you play your whole life. And it's good for your, your yeah. heart, cardio, running back and forth, keeping in shape. So how can we get more kids behind that outside the USTA pipeline? We can get more grassroots tennis organizations going so young men, women can learn tennis and not be stuck on the USTA who might pick and choose a certain age. Okay, you you like, like you might develop, you might pop, and you know rather than spend spend on this one big tent. But have our own grassroots in our communities to help young men and women learn to play tennis. And it's like the women's sister did as well. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think um, the biggest thing is is in each community, there are typically grassroots organizations, nonprofit organizations that are doing a tremendous job of being able to put rackets in young kids' hands and in families' hands, to be honest with you. Um, and so you definitely want to identify those in your local areas. In an Atlanta area, they're not hard to find. Um, the Atlanta area has one of the largest um, concentrations of tennis players, especially tennis players of, col of color um, in the entire country. Uh, I believe the, the organization is called ALTA, yes. um, Atlanta Lawn and Tennis Association. So that's huge. Um, and then, you know, also researching the American Tennis Association, which is the, the nation's uh, oldest uh, tennis association in, in, in the country, um, and, and starting to really benefit from the resources that they have. Um, and the USTA is actually doing a much better job than they had been previously doing in past years of, of being able to support organizations like that. I think it's far too long people looked at the U USTA to kind of be the savior and this is where I needed to go and have to go and they have to support me or, or they have to pick me. But now it's more of the USTA is really trying to give resources to these smaller organizations in order to support them because nobody can do it better than your, you know, your hometown or your home, your, your home folks. Um, so I, for, for the young ones that are continuing to come up, you know, to get, to get involved with that. Um, one of the biggest things I always promote for tennis, especially is being a part of an organization where, you know, your friends are a part of it. You feel like it's a family atmosphere because you're going to, you know, it's, it's the sport of love. You know, you're, you're going to love going, you're going to love playing, but when you're, when you get involved and you're just doing, lessons all the time you know that seems too much especially for a young one that's like work who wants to go and you know at 10 or 12 years old to a tennis lesson you know you want to go play that's what you know that's what kids want to do they want to play they want to compete 
Um, and that's more in those environments where you have uh, those grassroots organizations to give them the opportunity to do that. And of course, if you're continuing to show talent, then you can play the tournaments, you know, start getting your tournament count up to, to compete, you know, at that level. And obviously, um, you know, there, there's no one size fits all, but I think that will definitely help, you know, kind of the base. We have Donald Young here in Atlanta, of course, Chris Hughes mm-hmm. from Georgia Tech, and T.F. Francis Tiafo um, from the DMV. How much does he yeah. come around you guys and help out your, your program? Well, you know, one of the things that we're building um, at Howard is we're trying to develop a, a deeper pipeline or a deeper connection with uh, the, the pro tennis players of color. Um, we feel like uh, this is Howard is a great place for them to be able to want to give back. Um, I think there's a sense, especially, you know, after everything that's gone on this summer, you know, that really kind of ignited with the, the killing of George Floyd, you know, every um, black athletes are feeling of a sense of, you know, what else can I do? And ten- black tennis players are, are no different than that. And, and one of the things we want to be able to provide and be a, a place for them as an HBCU um, playing a predominantly white sport is be able to have them have an opportunity to give back. Um, and to, you know, to, to talk with our team and to speak with the team and not just them, but also the coaches that work with them. Um, I think that's, it, it's a win-win situation for obviously our program as well as, you know, for the, for the tennis players. So we're really excited about that. Francis Tiafo obviously is, is from, you know, the DMV. I uh, got a chance to, to watch him really develop here at the JTCC um, that's right here in Maryland and um, super excited about his successes and what he's doing. So, um, looking forward to obviously he would be one of the first ones that we would look to be able to you know connect with to you know to spend some time with the team and then of course obviously Chris Eubanks, um, Taylor Townsend, Donald Young, you know et cetera are are great as well and and welcome you know to be able to come back. Yes, and coach, you know I'm actually about training the guys on tennis court. Do you train train on on the hard true green clay, or the red clay, or you still on, on some medium pace hard courts? <laughs> how how is it going for you guys? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, college, uh, college tennis is predominantly played on the hard court. So, you know, when we train and we compete, it's, it's on the hard courts. Um, a lot of the, the surfaces, a lot of times where we get a chance to be on different surfaces like red clay or even hard true is going to be in our off season. Um, and that's a time where we, you know, we're really truly working on a lot of development um, because, you know, the clay, as you know, you're, you're a former tennis player, you, you got good tennis knowledge. You know, it, it takes a lot more de- yes. point development or, uh um, shot selection in order to win points on the clay. So, you know, that's great for, for grinding and, and training and, and working on um, different components of your, of your game. Uh, but when we get into uh, collegiate play, it's, it's on the hard um, predominantly. And um, so that's, that's, what we've, that's what we have at Howard. Um, we've got the eight outdoor courts that we, we train and we compete on. And then we also go over to Washington Tennis and Education Foundation um, uh, to, to train for indoors. Um, and those are slightly different because indoors a little bit, uh, depending on which indoor, it could be a lot faster, but it's a, a faster surface. Um, you know, in the outdoors, you also have obviously the different conditions that you have to contend with um, in addition to, you know, your opponent. I love Atlanta. I can go play on some hard true. I can go play on some a slow outdoor court. <laughs> I can play on a medium pace. Sometimes some of these coaches are playing slower though. They're playing slower, man. I'm like, this helps yeah. me out a lot there. It's the slower it is, the better I am. <laughs> so, you know, so I need to be a little bit slower for me, man. So yeah, I play a little slower. I'm good. I need time for, for these. To Give wind you a little up. bit more time. I need to wind up my, my, my soft speed, man. My, hey, coach, I yeah, got to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I use the James Blake backhand. I try to do two hands, man. I say, man, I'm terrible with two hands stuff. I ain't going to one hand. <laughs> so I had to go to James Blake one hand backhand, man. I can't do the two hands no more, man. Love it, love it, love it. That means your footwork's got to be on point. Hey, I'm going for broke every time, brother. <laughs> <laughs> forehand, I'm, I'm sure I'll be good with the forehand rally, but the backhand, I'm going for broke, man. <laughs> I'm going to just go for yeah. broke. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. There you go. There you yeah. go. So I'm gonna, it, it, this is going to end one way or the other. <laughs> yeah. Hey, kick, sir, forehand, or backhand, corner, I'm going for broke. <laughs> I'm going for there that. Go. I don't care. I was going for <laughs> <laughs> I know I can't stay in the rally with you. <laughs> I need to get, give me a slice back, Cam. So you give me a slice, I'll be okay. But I don't have yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I don't have it, Jacob. 
I got you. I got you. You get on that. You get on that clay. It'll it'll help you develop that. You know those, those defensive skills and that slice going to come around because you're going to want to be. You're going to have a chance to stay in that point a little bit more. No doubt, Coach. Tell us this: How can my listeners help both of your programs at Howard? How can they donate to your program, help your programs, to make sure that we get some more people in ATL up your way to help your program grow and be prosperous, man? Going these years to come here, man. Yeah, the the two biggest thing is is one um, for us. It's it's about exposure. You know, again, being in Olympic sports, you know, swimming and, and tennis, we don't get the, the same type of exposure as you know football and basketball. No, not to them whatsoever. But you know, we understand where we are. So continuing to follow us on social media, continue, continuing to follow us on hubison.com. Um, that's that's huge. Being able to share it with a friend, talk, you know, uh, tweet it, post it, uh, you know, and everything that you can potentially do over the internet is is huge for us. Uh, because being able to be out in front, representation matters. You know, one of the reasons why we were seeing such an uptick in minorities participating in the sport of tennis is because of individuals like the Williams sisters, right? The same thing goes for in swimming, individuals like Maritza McClendon, Cullen Jones, and Simone Manuel, who won the Olympic gold in the previous Olympics. Um, that's huge. So exposure and, uh, definitely helps our program. The second thing is, is contributing, you know, especially in these times of COVID, we've seen the two sports that are getting cut the most right now are swimming and diving and tennis. And that's a scary thought, um, you know, for, for anyone who loves both of those sports. And so being able to contribute financially, and this is a difficult time. So we understand, you know, that the, the, the contributions may not necessarily be coming in as large or as, 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 uh, as plentiful, but every, every dollar counts, um, you know, going to hubison.com and, and contributing to our bison, um, our Bison Blue Fund uh, and using the designation of swimming and diving or designation of tennis absolutely goes directly to our program to be able to help support and make sure that our team has everything that they need in order to be successful. No doubt, Coach Askew. Thank you for your time today. It's been fun talking some swimming and diving tennis with you, man. Because, <laughs> hey, man, it's been fun. Hopefully, you can get on the court with you one day. You can just give me a little lesson about this slice, slice backhand, man. Get me, get me straight, man. So I cannot have to go from every backhand I get, man. Well, I feel like I'm out of the point, man. <laughs> Hey, man, let me tell you, as soon as uh, things are safe for us to travel and everything, I'll definitely be down in the Atlanta area, and I I'll be glad to get on the court with you. You just got to make sure you bring me some Zaxby's. I shall. Deal. <laughs> <laughs> Deal. <laughs> Deal. I got you done, man. Cool. So this coach asks you on the Boston Man Show, how I buy diving. Coach, Antonio's coach, check them out. Itchybison.com. Help them out. Don't today, people. Man, show in Atlanta, Hamilton, coach of the Florida State Seminoles in 19th years coming up here. Season starts November 25th. Coach Hamilton, how life in Tallahassee, man? I tell you what, uh, we're doing just fine. We kind of hunkered down in our own little bubble, you know, trying to maintain, staying focused, trying to stay safe. Our guys are very disciplined, and it seems as though we're in a pretty good place now. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad and proud that our guys are, uh, seem to be focused, and we hope we can stay that way. Coach, I'm going to take you back some time, man. You know, I, I went to Tennessee State University off the air. I'm, I'm a TSU Tiger from Nashville, man. So, tell us about your time at UT, UT Martin, one of the rivals. Back then, it was, the, it was the Pacers, not the Skyhawks. But tell us about your time in Martin, Tennessee, and how that was. Then transition to being at Austin P. It's Coach Austin P. right after you got through playing at, at UT Martin there. Well, that was a unique experience for me because I was the first black basketball player to play at UT Martin. In those days, uh, you know, it was somewhat challenging. You know, I, I went through the era uh, in segregation, and uh, during that time, I was always integrating this about everywhere I went. And so there were some bumps in the road, but I, I really, really cherished those uh, experiences that I enjoyed at UT Martin. And I, I thought that uh, the, the way we conducted ourselves there opened up some more doors for people who looked like us. Um, uh, 
but uh, with each one of those challenges that I had to overcome, um, you know, I think, I think it made me a stronger person, uh, created uh, a, a philosophy that I think I still stick with today. So, you know, uh, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was good for me. It's interesting how God will put you in situations where they say he won't give you more than you can bear. But I think I was good for that situation. And I also think that situation was very good for me. Yes, Coach, how was it playing those days, man, being the only black ball player, UT Martin? And, you know, Martin's a very small town, for Tennessee. You know, not very many people like us out in Martin. So how was it for you trying to adjust and be out there and be who you are, true to you are, and know what you, the goals you had in mind out there? Well, my goals were consistent when I got there. I, I knew it was important that I get my degree because it was important for me to set the table for my brothers and my sisters. And obviously, I was the first person to go to college out of my family. <clears throat> and in order for me, uh, it was important that I got my degree because my mother and father always told me. My father, my Alert mother, from my updates mother, ready to install. Sorry about that. <laughs> I got I to cut the computer off. But my, my mother went to the seventh grade. My father went to the ninth grade. And they always felt that they had a ceiling where they could not progress past a certain level. And so there was always on me about getting my education so I could have a better way of life. And I also felt the stress and the pressure of getting my degree so that I could set the table for my brother. So when I, once I graduated from UT Martin and went to Austin P, I adopted my brother with it. And he got to college and he went to college. He married a girl from, he went to college with and both his kids went to college. I adopted my brother Barry. He went to college, I adopted my brother's, I mean, I didn't adopt my brother John, but because we, he was too old, but he went to college, his kids go to college, and they married somebody who went to college. Otherwise, my, I adopted my sister Pam, she goes to college and her kid goes to school. So it changed the whole culture of a family. So having an opportunity to get away from North Carolina, get out on my own, get focused, and, and try to accomplish something in an isolated situation like what UT Martin was for me, it, it, it was challenging but I thought it was what I needed, and I thought it really helped my entire family, the fact that I was able to go and take that first step. Coach, I feel you, I feel you man, because, you know, for me, I'm my grandmother's first grandchild to graduate from college from TSU. So I know what that means. So now kids behind me see, well, J.R. made it. He got him a, a master's degree as well, and he has a radio job. So we can do it, too. So I feel like, you know, me going to college, getting my two degrees will help my family down the road grow and keep that chain, like you said, Coach, keep that chain going, give people, understand, hey, the college degree is very important to us to be successful and allows us black people in this world as, as we matriculate from 2020 onwards. Well, it, it was back in those days, um, prior to me going to to uh, UT Martin, you know, an era before integration, you know, drink, drink, using the colored water fountain, the colored bathroom, in many ways having to set up in the balcony and not being able to go to the movies that you wanted to, not eating in certain restaurants, you developed a, a certain mindset that, that you want a better way of life for yourself and, and for your family. And so, so it, it didn't really matter what challenges that I had at UT Martin. The, the focus of wanting to do something that was meaningful for my family was so much greater than the obstacles and the challenges that really be very honest with you. I didn't see him as challenging. I just saw him as bumps in the road. Yes, indeed. And coach, you were from UC, UC Martin, Austin P. As, as a coach. So, at what point in your career at Martin did you realize that you want to get into coaching? Well, to be very honest with you, people don't know my story, but I actually became frustrated for a moment at Austin P. I was there for three years, and I had coach with, with the kids that, that I was able to, to bring to the program. I thought I had made a major contribution. And, and God had given me a certain level of confidence that sometimes I look back at my career, I, I don't want to say it was cockiness, but I, I was confident. I felt that I had learned and grown. And, my, and we were having so much success. Matter of fact, you, if you go back and look, we played University of Kentucky from Austin Peay uh, in, in, in Nashville in the NCAA regional tournament. And we, we, we lost to Kentucky 106-103, a double overtime game. So from Austin P to playing the winners program in the history of college basketball in Nashville, Tennessee, was a tremendous accomplishment for the team that went from last in the league to, you know, to competing for a national title. 
And so as time would have it, the head coach became uh, very popular and he was getting mentioned for other power five type jobs. At 23, uh, did I lose you? No, no, you're here, coach. I'm with you. At, 20, at 23, I walked into the president's office. And <laughs> I can't believe I did this and asked him, was I going to be the next head coach at Austin P? And Lake Kelly got a job. And, and to this day, no, I wasn't 23. I was 26. At 26 years old, I walked into the president's office to ask him, if Lake Kelly gets one of these jobs, am I going to be the next head coach? Well, needless to just say, there weren't very many head coaches, African-American head coaches in the country, period. And what gave me the level of confidence to walk into the president's office to ask him that, to this day, I find almost uh, uh, humorous because, but I felt I was qualified. There was no hesitation on my part. Mm -hmm. and, and, and he told me, he said, Leonard, I hired you and nothing would make me happier than to be the head coach at Austin Peay. But I'm resigned in two years and he said that I'm not real sure that, my, that I'm strong enough uh, to, in this day and time, to make that happen. Well, what he was saying is, I interpreted, he never said I was not going to get the job because I was black. But I, I understood exactly what he said because I had a great relationship with, with the president. And I became frustrated. He told me that on Wednesday. I resigned on Thursday and moved out of my house on Friday and took a job with Dow Chemical in Charlotte, North Carolina on Monday. Wow. And, see, and, and, and now, now, I tell that story because sometimes, you know, that, that, that's, the, that's the way the devil works. The devil created that moment of frustration in me to try to discourage me from doing what I'm doing now. Now, you know, there's a big difference in selling chemicals and, and then being the head coach at, or being the associate coach at Kentucky, head coach at Oklahoma State, Miami, NBA, Florida State. And so the devil was messing with me. But, but I've always told people, I've always had this hedge of protection around. Even when I tried to mess up, God wouldn't let me mess up. He always just kind of nudged me back. So I go to work on Monday, and, 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 and they sent me out to find an apartment Monday afternoon. John C. Smith was trying to convince me to take the head job there. And I went over there to let them know that I, was, I wasn't interested. And, and at lunchtime, the head coach from the University of Kentucky had called the hotel looking for me. And so wow. I, I called back to the hotel. My wife told me that Joe Hall, the head coach of Kentucky, had called. And, uh, and I called him on the phone. And the conversation went like this. He said, Leonard, do you, would you be interested in talking to me about uh, position on my staff. I said, sure, coach. He said, how about coming in to see me on Wednesday? I said, coach, let me call you back. He said, because I won't be back until late Tuesday afternoon. I called the airport and made my own plane reservations. <laughs> and I called him back and I told him, how about me flying another night? I'll see you when you get back on Tuesday and uh, let's visit if that's okay with you. He said, fine. So I made my own reservation. I flew in the <laughs> in the Lex, Kentucky on Monday night, visiting him when he got back on, on Tuesday. And about three or four o'clock in the afternoon after we visited, I said, Coach, <laughs> you have anything else you want to talk to me about? And he says, I'm, I'm fine, Levin, if you are. So I say, tell you four things. Um, I, I will never get you in trouble. I'll be loyal. Nobody outwork me and you'll have plenty of players. I said, but if you're not going to offer me the job, I'm going back to Charlotte, if you don't mind. I want to be the number one chemical salesman in the country. And, and, and I got a plane and went back to uh, Charlotte. But, but the devil was working on me because I was still hurt. I was disappointed. I mean, it was painful, the experience of knowing that I could not be the head coach at Austin P because I was African-American. And, and, I, and I lost emotional control. And I always say in life, you have to have emotional intelligence. And sometimes in life, you get frustrated and you make those ir irrational decisions. And that yes, might sir. have been fun. But God, here again, he had another plan for me. You know, I, he had another purpose for me to fulfill. And so the next Monday at lunch, as I was supposed to move out of my hotel into an apartment, Joe Hall called and offered me the job during my lunch break. 
Well, at Dow Chemical, everybody went to lunch at the same time. And I was standing across the street at Howard Johnson. I walked back, I told him, yes, I take the job. I walked across the street and said, to whom this may concern, I resign my position effectively immediately. Thank you very much for the opportunity. <laughs> and I jumped in my car and drove to Lexington, Kentucky. So my point to you, I'm doing what I think I'm put on earth to do. I mean, I enjoy working with young people, taking them from teenagers to young adulthood. Uh, to me, that's more important than the wins and losses. Uh, they, that's what you guys read about. That's what you talk about. But if all I do is win games and and go to the NCAA tournament and and, and and don't take care of the kids who are looking to me for leadership, then then what what have I done? You know, what have I done in life? It is more important than developing husbands and fathers and neighbors and, and fine citizens like your friend Pierre Jordan. I'm so I'm so proud of him because he's a perfect example of a guy coming to school, getting his degree. Uh, conducting himself properly, moving on in life, and, and getting the most out of what God has blessed him, the talent God has blessed him with. So from that standpoint, I'm happy. I enjoy what I do. Uh, I told somebody yesterday, as long as I don't come out of the locker room and get set on the other coach's bench by mistake, because I don't know where I am, I'm going to hang on in here. And yes, indeed, Coach. You know, I feel you, man. Like you said, Coach, I feel like not enough in the media to not focus on how you all as coaches help young men grow. I know for me, being around Frankie Frank, Frank, Frank Allen, Sal Alexander, helped me in my life and my career. Being around Coach Randy Peel, being around people like that has really inspired me. Because even now, they talk to me about life and how it helped me. Even if I'm not playing ball, I was radio, but it's still, it's the lessons are the same. Lewis Preston. So, guys, I mean, you all mean so much to us young men who play for you all and around you because you all, you have your parents, you have your coaches. So, your coach tells you something, you'll listen to that. Because coach <laughs> trusts and believes in you. So, if coach tells you, you're going to do it. Well, let me ask you this. Were you any good? Uh, no, nah, not really, Coach. <laughs> <laughs> hey, co Coach, that's why I'm a radio, Coach. <laughs> so, 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 what position did you play? I was a, I was a 5'10 guard, man, trying to make it, man, just trying to make it. I was a, a shoot shooter. I'll give you effort on the defensive end. I'll try my best, Coach, try to make my rotations. But, hey, I was just trying to play hard, man, make a difference when I could. So, 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 other words, you saying that, uh, you was a, a, Support, uh, rotation support player. Yes, yeah. If you need a, a zone bus, a three-point shooter, or keep some energy effort, hey, that's me. <laughs> yeah, you kept the grade point average of the team up pretty, pretty good, too, right? <laughs> yeah, most definitely. <laughs> and business degree for carrying me and the coach. <laughs> well, you, you you served your purpose, but you know, everybody has a role, and uh, you filled your role pretty good. Now, I'm proud of you, and look where you are now. Yes, sir. Hey, coach, sit around the games, sit around, see, get to talk to guys like yourself, man, and enjoy life and cover basketball and football. So, man, Lord bless me, man. I found my niche in this, in this world here. Now, now, so now tell me about your format there at the station. Well, Coach, the format here is very much for a variety, Coach. You know, we have sports shows, politics shows. Mine's one of the sports shows. So recently, I talked about politics as well. We're helping people get registered to vote here in Georgia. So we have a variety of things. We're out here in Dallas, Georgia. Out here in the suburbs of Atlanta, so man, we have a lot of things going on out here. Black-owned station out here as well, coach. So we're trying to give our community, get people registered to vote, get people understand about the census as well. So man, we're trying to grow this thing, coach, the right way. In fact, like our community, the right way, coach. Well, man, now tell me this: Why can't y'all show a brother down in Tallahassee a little more love than what y'all showing me? I mean, you know, I've been down here 18 years. It's first time you had me on the show. Now tell me what's up with that. Hey, Coach, hey, I'll, I'll take the blame for that, man. Hey, I'm doing, I'm going to make it right here going forward, Coach. I trust and believe me. We'll have you on the show as much as we need to. I, I, hey, I'm, I'm feeling some kind of way, you know, my guy, Pierre Jordan, <laughs> uh, one of my guys. You went to school in Tennessee, Martin. You know, I tried to hire Silas when, uh, when uh, uh, not Silas, uh, and I know Frankie very well. Um, so, so my, but my point to you is that you, you got to show me a little bit more love. I do things the right way. You know, I, I, I try to stay, I try to represent, and, and you guys don't show brother no love. You know? Hey, Coach, yeah. hey, hey, 
it's, it's today it changes, Coach. Today it changes. I, I guarantee you that. <laughs> we'll make sure you give this show what you need to, Coach. You know, you, you play out, you play Georgia Tech here. I know that as well. So I know you and Josh Pass have some good battles as well, man. So I, I, I know uh, I would see you guys come here to the McCamish Pavilion and, and show the text to some real, real nice over, over there, man. Well, I tell you what, Josh has done an outstanding job with that program. I'm very proud of what he's done, and and he's right there on the cusp of uh, making it to the NCAA tournament. Matter of fact, we played Josh the first uh, ACC conference game. He has that little matchup zone defense, and you know I was watching the game the other night, and we struggled with that thing here last year. You know I'm gonna have to do a little better job. I, you know I don't <laughs> I don't I don't have a I don't, I don't have those. I've got three guys going to get drafted in the NBA this year. Maybe I need to bring them back for that first game because, you know, <laughs> they can help me out a little bit. But, you, know, you know, most of, a lot of our players come from the Atlanta area. Um, MJ Walker, uh, probably our most experienced player returning this year. We expect him to have an outstanding year. Tony Douglas, uh, uh, Chris Singleton, uh, now Devin Vassells, uh, who's going to be a lottery pick in the draft. He's from Atlanta. Uh, some of our better players always come from that area. So I need to have a little more of a presence, you know. And hey, by the way, you know, you know, I, you know I do gospel music too now. I didn't know that, Coach. I, I didn't know that. Hey, I learned some new today, Coach. Doc, hey, we need to play yeah, some of the show I, here. I, now I got, I got, I got a, a gospel music label. Maybe you might want to, <clears throat> you might want to play a little something, something on the radio. They, a, little, a little marching music, you know, a little something that lift up your spirits when you have some of those down moments. Yes, sir. Hey, Coach, we'll definitely get that done for you as well, Coach. I was asking you that about the count. my next point here, Coach. Recruiting Atlanta is something you've always done, even just at Miami, uh, also in Florida State, which you've been in 19 years. So how important is it to come here and get talent? Because everybody can't go to Georgia Tech in Georgia, of course. So I saw much talent here, Coach, here all the time with our Peace Jams or Lake Point. So what's, what's, what's important about the AU program in Atlanta for you find good talent to your pipeline and make sure your, your squad is good every year? Well, you know, someone, uh, you know, uh, Charlton Young worked at Georgia Tech for a number of years. And uh, he, as a matter of fact, his parents lived in, um, in Atlanta. He, 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 he has this saying, it's somewhat true, there's a bas- there's an NBA player on every corner <laughs> in Atlanta. You know, he said, he said, like churches, liquor stores, and NBA players, they're on every corner. <laughs> That's an inside joke, okay? But oh, yeah. on, on a serious standpoint, um, uh, the Atlanta area has always been a, a hotbed for for athletes. And, and what I like, the fact that when you're participating in AAU sports, Pop Warner football or, or volleyball or soccer, you don't ever read about kids getting in trouble. You know, we we... we Occupying their time, their minds, uh, their spirits in, in activities is something that I, I, I really embrace. Uh, sometimes there are some negative conversations about AAU ball, which I think is unwarranted because I know those guys make a tremendous amount of sacrifices, spending time with those kids, taking them around and visit all over the country playing ball during the summertime. And to me, I think that's great. I always had mentors, guy AAU-type people in a part of my life. And I thought they gave me good direction, kept me occupied, kept me from doing things. Maybe if I had been idle, I probably would get into it. It wasn't, you know, uh, good decisions to make. But I, but I really respect that the AAU basketball people in, in, in the Atlanta area because it's, it's very competitive. You know, you have so many teams. Girls, boys, and it's just, it just, in my, my opinion, you learn a lot from interacting with people from different walks of life, different races, uh, uh, you, you travel. It's just good, clean, wholesome, and I, I'm impressed. And uh, I think those guys don't get enough credit for making a contribution uh, to helping young men have, you know, realize their dreams and their futures. Now, Coach, uh, it was March 11th, which is my birthday. Everything kind of went crazy with COVID. Everything got shut down. So for you and your staff and your team, where were you all at when all that happened, and how did that go down for you all as well? 
Well, obviously, uh, we, we won the ACC regular season last year, and we were primed, I thought, to compete in postseason tournament. And um, going to the ACC tournament, we lost a game uh, to Clemson, and that was our first game in the ACC tournament. But I was starting to feel a little uncomfortable because of, of this was the fear of the unknown. And then the night before, the NBA canceled their season. And that got my attention. And then we, it was announced that we would have limited um, fans in the stands uh, at the ACC tournament. Only parents and family members were going to be able to come into you know, and watch the ACC game. Well, my alarm kind of went off. You know, I'm, I'm feeling somewhat anxious now because I'm thinking if we got this disease that I had never been exposed to, that has caused the NBA to cancel the season. And we made a decision to have limited people in the stand. My, it didn't make sense to me that the corona would stay in the empty seats and that there were going to be people in the arena and we were going to be on the court. In my mind, is the corona just going to stay on the, off the court? Uh, is it going to be with the referees? Is it going to be with the announcers? And because I, I can't see this. I don't know where, 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 where could see it. So on the bus, I'm feeling uneasy because I'm responsible for my staff and for my team. And I told my staff, I, I didn't see how we were going to be able to play if these issues were on the table. So, but we were going, I, I felt confident that the ACC would make the right decision and if they felt it was safe, it would be safe. I expected them to let us know, and they didn't. So we were in the locker room talking to our players in a pregame talk. I think uh, Clemson had already gone out in the court to rest, to warm up. And they summoned me out of the pregame talk with my players over into the coach's office and say, we, we don't think this is, going, we're not going to be able to play. And, and I was expecting that and be very honest with you. I was hopeful that that was going to be the case. And so but I said, I didn't want my guys not to, get, and to have the experience at least going out in the court and warming up and for the ACC because we had a great season. And I, at the time, I did not know that we were, the NCAA tournament would be canceled as well. And so they went out and warmed up and they came back and I let them know uh, that the reason why the, the tournament had been canceled. And my comment then was that in life, sometime in life, God gives you these bumps in the road to challenge you to see what kind of man you are. Yes, indeed. And I told them that we were going to have more games to play. I would have more games to coach. But if someone was to go on that court and contract the disease and something negative happened to them, the enjoyment and the satisfaction we would get from playing and coaching would be pale in comparison to someone losing their life because they contracted COVID during uh, that event. And that we had to adjust, not feel sorry for ourselves, not be angry, not necessarily be disappointed. This is a challenge that we had to deal with as young men and that we had to handle it in a more matured way. And that I, I wanted them to understand this was the challenge we had. So. Uh, let's cherish this moment. Let's be glad that we uh, are healthy and that we have had a great season. And let's pack our bags and let's get back to the hotel, get back to Tallahassee. Let's see whether or not we're going to have an NCAA tournament team. And my team has been focused and they've handled it in a matured way. Because I think we, what we've tried to do is give them reasons why uh, they, this is the time to grow up, mature, and adjust to challenges, this challenge in life. And if this is the only challenge they're going to have in life, they will be very fortunate. You got there, right, Coach. And how was it for your guys academically going from in campus, on campus, in person to virtual, being in their home, back in their home, the environment? So how was that for you and your senior staff, your assistant coaches, and your academic advisors to make sure your young men kept the GPAs really high over the spring and semester there? Well, we know we've only had two players not graduate in 18 years at Florida State. In Miami, I was there for 10 years. I've only had three. So in 28 years, 
we've only had five kids like that. Now, that's part of our DNA. That's what we're going to do. We don't accept anything else other than that. We, it's, 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 those are non-negotiables when it comes to taking care of yourself academically and doing the things that you're supposed to do. I, so I, we, we don't have any problem. We made the adjustment because we had to. And, and our guys are maintained. And um, that's uh, the seminal way. Uh, we don't compromise anything when it comes down to academics and preparing yourself so that you can have a better way of life. Uh, then if the parents are going to trust me with their most precious gift, their, their children, then I'm going to treat them like they're my own children. And I'm going to hold them to the same standard and accountability uh, that their family was expecting. That. And that's where we operate. So we, we, we're doing just fine academically. Now, Coach, for your, for your young men, us, we know this summer was very bad with a lot of social justice stuff, trying to keep you registered to vote and all things going on around our country. How did you use the opportunity via the Zoom and the, your wisdom help our, your young men navigate this tough time we had this summer with the summer of social justice and this reckoning we have in our, have in our country right now? There's no question that this was a challenging uh, period in our lives where, I, you know, I think the, the, I call them demons that just raise their ugly head and challenge you, your emotions, your intelligence, your, your manhood, your maturity, and uh, you can lose all kinds of sense of reality when you don't look at it and evaluate for what it is. Uh, the challenges that we face in the summer is a manifestation of a lot of things that have been going on for years. And, and, and uh, it's unfortunate that these things happen. And I'm hopeful that as a result of what we've had to endure uh, politically, that the changes have been made politically, that it has brought something, attention, to an issue that I think we, we should be given more attention. We, and, and we should address it in so many different ways. And hopefully we'll be better moving forward. It's easy to be angry. It's easy to be disappointed. But uh, sometimes when you try to make, be rational on irrational things, Sir. You, you get you get disappointed. So, um, we, we, hopefully, we we've all learned from the state of affairs now, and hopefully, some of the negative things have been highlighted that we need to deal with. I think it's obvious; it's been on the lips of everybody. I thought our our, our election was a mandate it was a it was well, the way it played itself out it was obvious that america wants to change now even though it was split down it was pretty close in terms of um, people who stuck with our president and the president administration and I, and I don't ever want i don't ever want to get into politics but i think that the mere fact that it's been the first time that we've, we didn't have an incumbent president at least have two terms. It says a lot about where the majority of America, what they're thinking. And so I'm hopeful that we, as we move forward, uh, we will eliminate some of these negative issues that we've dealt with. But they've been around for years and uh, they're not going away unless we come up with a, we all start having some serious discussions. You know, we got to have some conversations about while we're at this place, and then we got to evaluate what's best for us as a, as a society, uh, the, the best way to handle this, and how we're going to move forward and get rid of this division, this, this uh, mindset of jealousy and disrespect and uh, anger and hatred and jealousy. We, that's, I, I, don't, I just think we're better than this, and, and I'm hopeful. Uh, that uh, we'll start giving this more serious consideration and realize that it's not going to go away unless we make this a priority. 
Most definitely. I have two more for you, Coach. Uh, one was about Black Coach United. I, I saw where Paul Hewitt, former coach at Georgia Tech here, saw all these organizations here, part of them, Toby Smith is part of it, Damon Sotomayor, uh, a lot of different guys in the business who are African-Americans in this part of this organization. So talk about what you all mission is going forward, what you all going to do for the college basketball coaches in America and in your players as well. I think that we need to have an open ear. It's good that we have a lot of experienced guys in the organization that can identify. I think that we we get we need to be an organization that, with some of the experienced guys, uh, make it make ourselves available for some of the younger guys who want to be in some of these head coaching positions, uh, to be available to be mentors and. Examples for them to follow. You know, the, the mentorship is a very powerful, powerful uh, thing that I think sometimes positive mentorship is is missing sometime in our community. And we want we want to have a positive effect not only on the game, but for those guys who are interested in becoming coaches and and doing it the right way. Um, and so I'm, I'm Paul here has given the organization tremendous leadership. I think in his, in, under his direction that um, the, the organization would grow and be more instrumental in, in, in contributing to uh, this uh, climate that we uh, are addressing now. So I've known Paul for a long time. He's a committed community relation guy. Not only is a good coach and good uh, it's a great person that he'll give the organization the type of direction that it needs in order to make an impact uh, on, on our society. Last one for you, Coach. What is your favorite thing to do when you come to Atlanta, Coach? You'll you eat when you come here, go out to the mall. Uh, what is your favorite thing to do when you're here in Atlanta? And let's ask you, what is your favorite restaurant here in the ATL? A lot of these places eat here. What do you love to eat here when you're in town, Coach? Well, you know, it's, you know, we're all creatures of habit, okay? Yes, sir. And um, we won the ACC tournament in 2012 in Atlanta. And we ate, in the, we ate at the same restaurant three days in a row. Wow. And the night before, we got to go for the championship game. Bernard James said, Coach, can we eat somewhere else? <laughs> <laughs> one, of, one of my favorite spots in Atlanta is, is Merrimax. And uh, on Ponce de Leon. Yes, sir. And uh, it, the restaurant is one of my because it was almost like a thousand grandmothers got together and they they they, they pooled their best recipes and they put them in that kitchen over there. And and every time I go to Atlanta, I try to schedule all my appointments and meetings and games around the most important thing is stopping by Merrimack. <laughs> so. <laughs> There are times if I have two meetings, I'll schedule one an early lunch and another one an early dinner, and they both be in Merrimack. And sometimes one of the waitresses say, didn't I see you earlier? I say, don't tell anybody. <laughs> no, no uh, Merrimack has just been sold to um, a gentleman there in, in um in Atlanta that, um, that I'm anxious to meet, but uh, the former uh, owner was a Florida State graduate from down here near Wakulla, outside of Tallahassee. I didn't know that when I started going there. Matter of fact, if I remember correctly, it might've been Paul Herod and George Ravelin that maybe took me there for my, my first time. That was in, I want like 2002 maybe 2002 or the spring of 2002 when I took the job at Florida State. So I've been going there ever since. So Mary Max is my spot now. Believe me, there are so many wonderful places in Atlanta to, to eat at. But, um, you know, that, that that's one of my favorite. I understand there are several other, what you call Southern cuisine restaurants that I'm gonna have to go visit. A couple of new just popped up in the last couple of years. I haven't had a chance. But uh, believe me, next time we're on the radio show, maybe I might uh, give you a little update on, uh, on, on some of the restaurants. I'm, you know, by being raised, being raised in the South, uh, 
I'm, I'm more of a Southern cuisine type guy. Believe me, and you guys got all these fancy restaurants in there. Where you yes. got to wear shoes, coats and ties. And you got to be all sophisticated. Yes, yeah, I'm coming in with my, yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm rolling with the cornbread, the collard greens, rice and gravy, cream corn, okra and tomatoes. That's what I'm interested in. Uh, kind of like uh, grandma's cooking, you know, that's, that's Coach Ham. <laughs> Uh, Coach, when you come to town, man, I will take you to some spots I love and show you some new spots that I tend to enjoy, Coach. I would love to do that for you, man. <laughs> it looked like, look like to me you, have, you haven't missed very many meals. I have not, Coach. Since I retired, I already missed many, man. Hey, look, I can tell by your point guard shooting 5'10 guard used to be a parents that uh, <laughs> you, you, uh, you do uh, enjoy – uh, a, a good meal. See? You got that right, <laughs> Coach. <laughs> hey, since I retired, Coach, hey, I, so I don't go to the gym anymore like I used to. I let it go, man. I let, I'm enjoying this for now. I don't have to hold back anymore. <laughs> so, 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 listen now, you might you might have to give me your phone number because look now, you just said something. I'm going to tell your listeners, your viewing audience, you said you're going to take me to a couple spots now. I'm going to hold you to that. Hey, Coach, we get off this tape, and I'm going to give you my phone number so you can have it. Hey, Coach, hey, I'm a man of my word. That's what I tell you, Coach. I'm a man of my word, Coach. I will do that. <laughs> Listen, I got about 7,000 numbers in here. I'm going to put a star by yours. You know what I mean? <laughs> Important. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Well, Coach, before you, I'm going to get you them off, off the air here real shortly. But, folks, it's Leonard Havlin, the Boss Man Show. It's been fun to talk to you, Coach. I couldn't do this again with you. It's been so amazing to get you on the show, man. I'm, I've been enjoying this whole, whole time with you this afternoon, Coach. It's been great. But listen, now, one thing you got, my, my man, uh, Devin Vassell's from Atlanta. Y'all got to show him a little love. Now, he's going to be a lottery pick, and y'all should be giving him a little love around Atlanta. Because he represents, yeah, he's from Atlanta. Uh, great, came to Florida State, played well. No, not very many people knew about him. But in the next ten or fifteen years, y'all need to get to know him because he's a guy from Atlanta. He's gonna make y'all very proud. I sure will, Coach. Hey, Coach, you trust me. Any guests you want me on the show, Coach, I'll make that happen, Coach. You know, I, 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 I am the booker here. I, I book the show and host it, so I can get anybody I want. If you want him on the show, Coach, I get, I get it done for you. Uh, I'm going to repeat. I'm available 24 hours a day. And if I'm asleep, you can wake me up. <laughs> yes, indeed. Let me help with the other Boston Show people. Check him out. Florida State Symbols, guys. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.